I'd like you to be honest for a second, sat in your seat this evening. I'm going to put two pairs of pictures up. And what I'd like you to say is, which of those two pictures do you genuinely think represents Christianity? I'm not asking for feedback, but, you know, one or two of you see it. Which of you genuinely think represents a picture of Christianity? One of which is an American Gothic painting, the second is a children's party. Secondly, if we move it on to the next one. A wedding? Or a pilgrim earnestly seeking? Toiling. What's your picture of Christianity this evening? When if I was asked... (laughs) Thank you, Stephen. That's great. One of the things when I've asked people to say, if you could talk about what's in the Christian faith, how do you sum up the Christian faith and put it into one word? I wonder what you would say as you're sat here. You don't need to answer this. But if you're honest with yourself, what's at the heart of the Christian message? Is it duty? Is it a whole set of laws? Is it abstract? In this church, one of the words that we often use to describe faith and is important to us in church is the word grace. Grace, God's earned, God's unearned, God's unmerited favour towards us to us who are utterly undeserving. And grace is an amazing answer to the question of what's at the heart of Christianity. For those who've been around the church quite a while, I imagine one or two of you might say, well, love. Don't Christians talk about love a lot? I mean, the most famous verse in the Bible is what? John 3.16, probably. You see it everywhere. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The word love is a great answer too. But in the New Testament, that's the second bit of the Bible that's about Jesus' life and after. More common than love, more common than grace, is the word joy and words associated with joy. The Christian faith is a joyful faith. Joy is at the heart of the Christian faith and the Christian message. One of the academics who spent their whole life reading uh, different ancient literature said this about the Bible. He said, the New Testament is the most buoyant, exhilarating, and joyful book in the world. Christianity is about joy. But the reality is, as Alistair shared very beautifully, most of us spend our life trying to avoid pain. We know we live in a world of suffering where disaster happens, bad things happen. Things come near us that we wouldn't want to be part of. We recognize that there's injustice, there's suffering, there's all those things. How do we find a joyful life even whilst we're in touch with all the suffering in this world? How do we find a joy that doesn't fade? 
so many things, if you're anything like me, you can spend your life pursuing all sorts of things that you hope will bring you joy. You can spend your life looking for more exciting experiences, for better food, for a better house, for a better career, for a better car, whatever it is that particularly. But what we find is that joy fades. The joy of what we thought was amazing suddenly isn't. The famous actor, um, some of you will know this person, but others won't, Brad Pitt, who seems to epitomize much of which our society craves, was quoted with this, looking after the, the desire for joy, he said this, man, I know all these things about success, um, about the car, about the house, about exotic holidays, about money, and about success is supposed to be amazing. But if, if that's the case, because he's got all of them, he has all those things that our society longs for, why is the general feeling of that out there reflecting more impotence, more isolation, more desperation, and more loneliness? If you ask me, I'll say, toss all this to the side. We've got to find something else. Because all I know is that at this point in my life, we are heading for a dead end, a numbing of the soul, a complete atrophy of the spiritual being. And I don't want that. The human heart is impossible to satisfy with purely physical and temporal needs. None of them satisfy the God-given whole in our life that we long for and long to experience. We're restless and we always want more. But the promise of Christmas and the sweet promise of Christmas is that contentment and an everlasting joy are a reality. See, the thing is, when we experience something good, the normal response to something good is joy. But when we experience the person who in his very nature and person is good, he is the source of all goodness, the source of all joy, the source of all things in this world, we can't but respond in joy. The God who has come to us in the person of Jesus to defeat, ultimately defeat, as Asda talked about the cross, all that's evil and broken in this world. A saviour is amongst us so we can experience joy. Not joy for this moment, but joy for eternity. Christian joy isn't, as many people might pretend they think, the power of positive thinking. Joy isn't having an extrovert personality. Joy is not being happy because life is going your way for a season. Joy is not having a half-full attitude to life. Joy is encountering the person who is joy, Jesus Christ. And Christians celebrate that at Christmas. Joy is the product of experiencing Jesus Christ and the glorious gladness and the deep delight we see in the person of Jesus Christ. Our love 
the writings of a 17th century writer, someone called Jonathan Edwards. And he says this about our condition. The enjoyment of God is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. To go to heaven, fully to enjoy God, is infinitely better than the most pleasant accommodations here. Fathers and mothers, husbands, wives and children, or the company of earthly friends, are but shadows. But God is the substance. God is the substance. These are but scattered beams, but God is the sun. These are but the streams, but God is the ocean. The angels got it right on that first Christmas. They announced news of great joy. And that good news of joy is still for us today. A saviour has been born amongst us. This Christmas, God gives us his son Jesus for us. In the greatest, awe-filled and wondrous story that we celebrate through our readings, our carols, and all that we do here today. The hope we have, the joy we have, is that there is a God who is greater than our needs and the sufferings of this world and all the troubles of this life, that he longs to bring joy to each other, to each of us. The question this evening is this. Will you receive him? Will you receive his joy? Let's pray for a minute. Heavenly Father, you know each one of us. You know the thoughts of our hearts, the longings in our lives. Father, I pray particularly for any Christians here tonight who have lost their joy. They've lost sight of you. Their lives have, have gone astray. Lord, I pray they would come back to you and surrender themselves afresh to you this evening. And for those who don't know you, maybe tonight is a night, as Alistair challenged us to say, saying, do you want, I need to do something about this. If that's who Jesus is, if that's what he's done for me, then I need to take that further. And Father, I pray for those who know that they long for you but don't know how, that you would draw alongside them this evening. You would reveal yourself to them. And they would put their trust in you. Father, thank you that you are faithful, you are good, and your love endures forever. Amen.